seated. We turn to the scripture to continue to guide us in what we know about Christ. And today we look into Matthew's gospel of Jesus, the 21st chapter, the first through the 11th verses. Listen to the reading of this holy word. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, the Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When he entered Jerusalem... The whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Although Jesus didn't refer to himself as a king, I suppose that it was inevitable that his followers would. There had been too many signs, too many wonders. When the crowds gathered around him, it was a blessing for those that were lame, a blessing for those that were mute and unable to speak, a blessing for those that were blind because in Jesus' presence, Healing occurred, which enabled them. And you remember the stories, don't you? Of how Jesus, when he was surrounded with people, and it was dinner time, even if it were 4,000 or 5,000 people gathered around him, somehow he would make supper happen. How was that? Those that were following Jesus were beginning to understand from things that he did that he was human, yes, but he was more than human. He was the very presence of God in their midst. He spoke with authority and wisdom as if he was the one that had written the Torah 
when Pharisees came to him and complained, your disciples don't wash their hands. They eat with unclean hands. He shared with them what is important is what is on the inside of the bowl, not the outside. He spoke with authority to those that were in power. The gathering of people around him was this great gathering of festivity. They were ready to party. Passover was a huge celebration. As he moved toward Jerusalem, he was accompanied by many people, but he also was a part of this larger gathering into Jerusalem from all over as Jews streamed to this holy city in order to celebrate the high festival of Passover. It was really a public coronation event for Jesus, though, as he embraced the idea for them of his chosen place. As he read the words of Zechariah, the prophet, he began to be the fulfillment to them of what it meant to be king. Now, our tradition is to celebrate this day with palms. And y'all did pretty good waving the palms. Y'all did. You did better when the children were helping you to raise those palms. After they got back to their seats, everybody's palms began to lower just a little bit. And, and we settled back into our, our places of reserve. How, how much out there are we supposed to be in our celebrations? We can be very contained. Do you ever get that notion? We can be contained in our celebrations. My mother grew up in Adrian, Georgia. That's just the other side of Swainsboro. Little bitty town now. It was a little bitty town long ago too. They went to the Methodist church. Her family did. They were strong members of that congregation. And my mother told me a few years back, she, she shared with me, she said, Bill, she said, my mother was what they used to call a shouting Methodist. And she said, my mother's sister, my aunt, also was a shouting Methodist. I said, what do you mean? And she said, when we would go into worship, it was always known that they would have something to say in worship. They would shout out if the preacher was preaching a really strong message or even if he wasn't preaching, they would shout it out and they would say, amen, preach it. They would vocalize their faith. And she went on, she said, and there was a cousin, it was an uncle, a distant uncle of ours who also was there at Adrian. And she said, I remember that cousin Jim Smith used to come into that little church and he would stand up in the middle of service. You never knew when it was going to happen. 
But he would stand up and he would reach into his pocket and he would pull out his handkerchief and he would wave it back and forth. And he would walk through the congregation saying, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all, all that is within me, all that is within me. Bless God's holy name. Do you ever get a sense of God's presence that would cause you to wave handkerchiefs in the air? Do you ever get a sense of that? These people, these people that were with Jesus on the road had this deep sense of God being there with them. The promise of hope, just like the song that we, we sang a few moments ago. This is the anchor of who they were. It was, it was the very nature of what was going on that they believed that somehow God was present in Jesus more than any other place in their lives that God was there present for them. Sometimes I think to myself, we could use a few more shouting Methodists these days. I do. So if you want to interrupt this sermon at any point, feel free. In fact, if I'm not preaching well enough, you encourage me along so that I can preach better for us all. We encourage each other. Can you imagine what was going on that day? Now, Zechariah's prophecy was so connected with the nature of Christ. Let me read just a little bit of this for us. Back in this, this prophet of the Old Testament, he says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. He will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bows shall be cut off, and he shall command peace to the nations." That's an interesting image that he offers because this is King Jesus coming to us as Matthew retells Zechariah's prophecy. But it is King with a very different understanding. Jesus comes to restore the people of God but not through violence, not through military might in any way but he comes to restore the people through his humility he's riding on a donkey it's an interesting thing this riding on a donkey in fact did you pick up on the fact that Matthew has him riding on two donkeys did you get that it was interesting that in Matthew's trying to understand so in such a detailed way of what was going on, he somehow got the Hebrew wrong in his translation from Zechariah, and he added the word and. All of the other tellings say that there's only one donkey, but Matthew has it being two donkeys, and then now that he's gotten two donkeys in the story, he has to explain that Jesus rode on both of them, and I've read some scholars recently that said, of course, if you're 
trying to understand the literal truth of this passage of Scripture, you know that he could not have ridden on both of them simultaneously. That would have been like a rodeo event as Jesus comes down the road. It wasn't that at all. In fact, it was this sequential riding on the donkeys that perhaps he started on the younger who could not make it down the Mount of Olives completely and back up the other side and then transferred to the other. I don't know the gymnastics of how all of this happened. But I knew that Matthew understood who Jesus was. For Matthew, Jesus was more than even the prophet had considered. That Matthew saw to the heart of this man who was truly the very essence of God amidst the people. Do you have this right in your own life? We've been asking this question for some eight weeks now as we've moved through the preparations for Lent and then through this holy season. We have been asking this question Who is this man? Who is Jesus? Matthew would say, he is the Lord, our King. It's interesting to reflect on what Marcus Borg and John Dominic Crossan imagine about the city of Jerusalem on that day. They said that it would have been alive with people, but there were two parades. One was, of course, the parade that everybody expected that entered the city from the west as Pilate marched his Roman battalion in order not only to strut his military might, but in order to wag his finger and say, get out of line and we will take care of the situation. Pilate was coming in from the west with his soldiers, their lances gleaming in the sun, their helmets in place, their polished leather garments. Such a powerful sign. And Jesus, Jesus, coming in with his motley crew of followers, from the east into the very holiest of places there at the temple. As he gathered folk around him that had no more power than you or I in relation to the world. In fact, they had so little to them that they had to break branches off the tree in order to celebrate his coming. And for want of some better laying out of the carpet, they took their coats off and laid them on the road so that the donkey could move along a proper path for this great prophet of our Lord. 
you and I must decide who is this Jesus that we follow? Speaking of Pilate, do you remember that conversation that Pilate had with Jesus after Jesus' arrest? Matthew talks about this in chapter 27 if you want to look it up. But the question that Jesus speaks, that the question that Pilate speaks to Jesus is, are you the king of the Jews? Now, in Matthew's telling, Jesus' response to Pilate is pretty simple. He simply says, you say so. That was Jesus' way of saying, isn't that what the charges are here? That's why I'm in your, under your arrest, in your possession right now. You're saying that I am the king of the Jews. And that's why I'm here before you. I think it's interesting how John tells this part of the story. Do you remember John has Jesus respond, My kingdom is not of this world. You and I have the opportunity in our lives to determine which type of kingdom we will live in and what Jesus will look like as king. There are very, very different images of Jesus in our world. Remember this image of Jesus approaching Jerusalem on this lowly beast, the simplest of people whose lives have been touched gathered around him. This man who healed the sick, fed the hungry, Wash the feet. This is Jesus. In just a few moments, you and I will have the opportunity to pray together the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. You remember what we will say. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I ask you. Who is this man? It's crucial that we get this right. This is a man who comes as a king, but not as a king that the earth has ever witnessed the likes of before or since.